Hi everyone, and welcome to this uh, Osmond Clark Procurement Team podcast. I'm Craig McCarthy, Procurement Partner here at OC, and I've got with me today two of our Associate Directors, Laura Thornton and Kate Davis. We've been reflecting on the, the discussion that's happening around Fujitsu at the minute and its role in the post office inquiry, and in particular the procurement question that keeps coming up, which is if there are these issues with the performance of a bidder, then what powers, if any, does a public body have to prevent that bidder from participating in, in any future contract opportunities? Uh, it's quite timely today. We've just seen a letter um, sent in from Fujitsu to the Cabinet Office to say that they're going to voluntarily step back from bidding for any UK uh, public contract opportunities while the inquiry is ongoing. And we've seen over the course of the last week or two, commentary going back all the way to, to 2010 um, around this, this quite thorny question of what do you do if you have a contractor who, in the eyes of the particular public sector organisation, are not performing, performing well enough? How do you then account for that poor performance in deciding whether or not to take them forward in a, in a subsequent procurement process? Um, and, and Laura, it's a, it's a tricky one, I think, under the law as it currently stands. There's quite a few things that an authority has to weigh up in deciding whether or not to move forward with that kind of a decision. There are, yes, absolutely, Craig. There's both mandatory and discretionary exclusion grounds that currently apply. So an authority would need to think through which, if any, of those might apply to a situation such as that that Fujitsu finds itself in. Um, and coupled with that, where it's a discretionary ground, they'd also need to think about whether or not this is going to happen again or if the um, supplier has already taken some steps to effectively self-clean and move beyond the implications of that past behaviour. And just looking at those um, those specific grounds, I mean, there's not, unhelpfully, one might think, useful if there was, there's not one that says, if you are a contractor that has brought the government into disrepute, or there's been some sort of conduct that doesn't quite go so far necessarily as being a an obvious breach, then we're absolutely entitled to exclude you. It, it becomes a lot more uh, of a grey area than that, I think, doesn't it? It really does. And there's several grounds, I think, which you might be looking at in this scenario, but it's not necessarily clear that any of them certainly apply. Um, for example, you might be thinking about whether there's been some grave professional misconduct. That's not an amazingly well-defined concept. And so it might be that an authority would need to think very carefully about whether or not the bar for that has been met here. Um, there's also another provision which allows exclusion where there's been damages awarded in relation to deficiencies in performance of a prior public contract. So here again, that sounds like it's something that could be relevant, especially if Fujitsu do ultimately pay damages in relation to their past actions for this um, computer system. Um, but again, the timeframes involved are quite important to think about, and it's not necessarily immediately apparent that that ground certainly does apply here. Again, then there's a, another one to perhaps think about as well around misrepresentation in supplying information. Um, so if they've perhaps made some claims that there hasn't been a problem in the past, but it turns out now during the course of the inquiry that there have been some issues, then there's also potential for some consideration around whether or not that ground also applies. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose on the, the damages ones, particularly interesting, I mean, some of these claims, the facts that come to light now, you know, Fujitsu have raised the flag that perhaps they might feel like they're morally obligated to to provide some form of compensation. And I don't think they've gone quite so far as to say whether they feel they are legally obliged to do so. And that, that really raises the question that I know we've we've grappled with in various occasions in the past, which is when we talk about 
damages or an equivalent sanction in that sort of circumstance, does that include purely damages awarded by a court? Does it include damages that might be paid by a compensation through a settlement? Does it cover liquidated damages? There's just not that level of precision, I don't think, in the language of the of the regs. Yeah, I agree. It's certainly not immediately clear which of those may or may not be caught. And I think it would be an interesting discussion, perhaps, if um, an authority did want to exclude Fujitsu on this basis, whether or not it would be able to be relying on that ground to do so. Yeah, and I suppose you know, touching on now that the weighing up exercise an authority has to go through, because to to try and exclude a bidder on a on a discretionary ground, clearly that carries a lot of risk if you're the authority. You're sat there thinking, we have this bidder that we may have some concerns about, um, you know, be it their past performance in Fujitsu's case around a particular contract, or it could be another contractor who's had similar issues elsewhere. We might have this concern about this particular bidder and their ability to perform. But are we sufficiently sure that that's enough to warrant exclusion? because clearly the response from that bidder may well be to challenge that decision to exclude. And then before you know it, you're into, into litigation under the under the regs. Um, and and it, if you're that, that bidder in that situation, that that kind of um, you know contractor who's got some sort of question marks around it, you mentioned self-cleaning earlier. What can a, a bidder expect in terms of its opportunity to, to argue its case, if you like? Yeah, so that's an interesting area. There's a, a number of things that a bidder might um, do and be able then to evidence in discussions with the authority to show that although these, these things have happened in the past, it has moved on and, and effectively learned from those mistakes. So things that are relevant to consider here are things like paying compensation, which again, Fujitsu is proposing on a, on a voluntary basis. So that would certainly go to the question of whether self-cleaning has occurred. There's also a consideration around whether the supplier has cooperated with authorities during any investigation and provided relevant information during that, um, and also taking concrete um, steps within, within the organisation to put measures in place to ensure that these things aren't going to happen again. So all of those um, steps are things that Fujitsu and, and another supplier in this situation could be considering in order to demonstrate that they have learned from this, these past mistakes and that they effectively wouldn't be going to happen again in a new contract. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, Kate, looking at the way that the law sits at present, and there is that degree of ambiguity, clearly we have coming in into force in October this year, our new Procurement Act. Um, is that something where we'll see a bit more certainty for authorities, do you think? Uh, not sure whether we'll see more certainty, but they've certainly tried to address some of these issues around past performance and make it more robust in the new Act. We can see a sort of conscious decision to try to address that. So just to cover off what's happening, uh, we still have the concepts of mandatory and discretionary exclusions, but they've become the concepts of excluded supplier and excludable to supplier. And what they've done is bake in the concept of self-cleaning into those definitions. So for an excluded supplier, you've got to have a mandatory exclusion ground and the offence has got to be likely to reoccur. And they've slightly expanded some of the grounds for mandatory exclusion to include things like theft and fraud and bribery and a few tax offences and competition or offences. But the biggest change is to around uh, the excludable supplier, which is where there's a discretionary exclusion ground and it's likely to reoccur. And they've baked in these concepts of uh, a discretionary exclusion ground could be a breach of a contract, which results in full or partial termination or award of damages or settlement, which is quite, it moves on from where we were before. 
you could have a situation where your contract was settled early. Uh, there was no claim involved, no damages. Uh, it was just a settlement, perhaps because of poor performance. And that could now fall into the realms of discretionary exclusion. Uh, so we also have the concept of uh, you could be excluded if you have if you're failing to perform a contract to the KPI satisfactorily, which is a real departure from where we are under the PCR and certainly under the UCR. Yes, yeah, so quite a lot, quite a lot of changes there, then, Kate. I think mm. the other um, aspect that's driving a lot of the changes we're seeing in the Procurement Act is this push for increased transparency, and certainly we as taxpayers being able to see more information about the performance of um, suppliers. And you, you touched there on the the KPI mm. changes that are coming in. How do you think that's going to affect the visibility, I suppose, and, and the potential kind of ramifications for a contractor who finds themselves in difficulty under a contract? So, yeah, again, that's one of the key changes that we're seeing suppliers being worried about. Uh, so now uh, every contract that's awarded, uh, you have to name uh, certain KPIs uh, that will be published as part of a transparency notice and your performance against those will be published. So if you are in a situation where you're not performing well against the KPIs, you could see that being in the public domain. And so your competitors could see that, other authorities can see that. It's quite a change. We don't have anything like that now. So potentially a situation like we have now where you know, somebody is, you know, a supplier is not performing uh, to the required standard could be much more uh, in the headline news than, uh, than it would be at the moment. I agree. I agree. And and adding to that as well, I think we've got this new concept of a a centrally published debarment list, which will essentially act as a as a register, isn't it, of mm. those those who are not really meeting the grade and who've got issues that mean they shouldn't be participating. Yeah. So this is a brand new contract co concept, and that's something that uh, again, and under the current regime that we've got, people have been asking for this for a very long time. So the the government has clearly tried to address this but by creating a new what they're calling the debarment regime it's a centrally published list uh, and if you are uh, if you are in the realms of having been excluded from a contract because you're an excluded or an excludable supplier you could be referred for investigation to be put put onto this list uh, which is then public and then for every new procurement that's run the authority has to check the debarment list to see essentially whether you are on that naughty list or not and if you're on as an excluded supplier, then the authority has to exclude you from future public procurements. And if you're on as an excludable supplier, then they get to make that decision in the same way that they do now for if you have an a discretionary exclusion ground, they get to make that choice. But again, it's much more in the spotlight. It's much more easy for authorities to see whether or not you have got any of these issues that are floating around. Um, and just talking about Fujitsu, I think when people are saying, you know, in, in the article we've seen this morning, should Fujitsu be blocked from bidding? What what they would be talking about there in the new regime would be, uh, should they be on that debarment regime? So yeah, from thanks Kate. So from October this year, we're going to have a central register where if you are a supplier that is in a position that you can't satisfy um, the requirements to, to stop you from being an excluded or excludable supplier, then you may find that all of the contracting authorities are going to be able to access that information very easily. And beyond that, potentially, public and, and the press. Um, interesting move from Fujitsu in, in deciding to get ahead of that, I guess, by voluntarily putting themselves in a position where they will not bid, as opposed to being told that they can't bid. Um, it'd be interesting to see in future whether there's even a, an approach that authorities will see those 
potentially problematic suppliers take a similar action to try to get ahead of the bad news by by voluntarily putting them in that themselves in that position while they fix the issues that they have have been identified by way of the the, the excludable criteria. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And just to add that uh, Fujitsu's decision to uh, voluntarily step back from bidding uh, might go to the idea of self-cleaning because uh, it shows that they're clearly taking the situation really seriously. They're taking steps to prevent reoccurrence. They're, they're committing. Uh, all of these things that we're seeing now around uh, them saying that they're morally responsible, they might contribute to funds. It, with a cynical view, you could say that's all being... Uh, contributing towards was the idea of self-cleaning which we know is baked into these definitions uh, for, for being excluded for future regimes future procurements um and and could uh, be obviously it's very helpful that they're doing it but it's it's also uh, with an eye to the future i think yeah i agree thanks kate and in a very neat segue that eye on the future we are obviously tracking all the changes that are coming in through the procurement act um, and have our online uh, microsite where you can find all of our material. Um, and in the meantime, we'll be watching, I think, all very closely in terms of further developments of what comes out of the inquiry. And I think the the takeaway probably is that it's going to remain quite a grey area in terms of what an, a, a contracting authority is empowered to do when it's faced with the question of does it have an excludable supplier and should it exercise its discretion? And likewise, if you're in that situation as a contractor, it's always going to pay to think very, very carefully about what measures you might need to take to ensure that you can satisfy those, those self-cleaning obligations. Thank you both for a really interesting chat and thank you for joining us and listening along. Uh, as ever, please do keep an eye on our website for any further updates on the Procurement Act and on interesting procurement topics as they come through. Have a good day.